Hello, and welcome to the heartbeat of the dance floor. I offer my apologies to all of my listeners for the intermittent audio issues in this episode. Unfortunately, I was unaware of the problem at the time of taping. I made the decision to air this as is, rather than an attempt to re-record an episode with so much spontaneity I could never duplicate it. Your patience and understanding is appreciated as you listen to my very special guests and I remember Roy Thode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the heartbeat of the dance floor. Today, we're going to be remembering Roy Thode, and I have with me some esteemed friends as my special guests. In alphabetical order, I'd first like to introduce Scott Bromley. Our Scott Bromley, for those of you who don't know him, has been designing buildings and interiors in New York City and beach houses on Fire Island for over 50 years. He was the principal designer in J Philip Johnson's office, head of design at Emory Roth and Sons, and finally joined with Jerry Calderi, forming Bromley Calderi in 1991. Scott gained extensive fame as the architect for Studio 54, a longtime Fire Island Pines homeowner and a stalwart member of the community. Scott also bore witness to Roy's musical magic on both Fire Island and New York City. John Segley, over the years, John's DJ career has featured appearances and residences at some of New York City's hottest and most legendary clubs. He was a resident DJ at New York, New York, the Underground and the River Club, formerly 12 West. He was a guest artist at Studio 54, The Saint, Roxy, Bonds, Limelight, and Ice Palace in Cherry Grove, with radio appearances on New York's WKTU and WBLS Friday Night Dance broadcasts, as well as annual events at the Fire Island Pine Pavilion. Since 1984, John has been providing production services for ad agencies and businesses. Services that include recording, editing, mixing, sound design, music creation, music licensing, cast voice talent, casting actors for TV commercials, and John continues to DJ at assorted special events and parties. Our next guest, Martin Dow, joins us from Boston, where he actually was a pioneer of the New York Sound in South Florida. In the mid-1970s, Mark worked the monster in both Key West and in Cherry Grove on Fire Island, where he and Roy became best friends. In the early 1980s, he was one of the resident DJs in Boston at Chaps, Nine Lansdowne, and the Pipeline. While in Boston, Martin hosted arguably the greatest DJ, guest DJs of the day, including Jim Burgess, Richie Kazor, George Cadenas, Howard Merritt, Danai Jacobitis, and of course, Roy Thode. Additionally, Martin was a Billboard reporting DJ, promoting the music of the day, the recipient of a gold record from Atlantic Records for Sheik's monster hit, Dance Dance. Bob Howard has been a member of the Fire Island Pines community since 1974. The real estate company that bears his name is the oldest in Fire Island Pines. As a longtime resident, Bob is one of the many friends who enjoyed Roy's music, both on Fire Island and in Manhattan's famed Flamingo and The Saint, as well as on at Studio 54. During the 1987-88 summer seasons, he leased, managed, and ran the internationally renowned Pines Pavilion, where he introduced the concept of dancing at high tea, which had always been a stand-around cocktail and cruise hour. Having been besieged by AIDS, nighttime dancing until dawn had stopped drawing crowds in the late 80s. More concerned with staying well, but still having a gay old time, Bob opened the pavilion dance floor to crowds of early dancers who were delighted to 
place daily, and then go to dinner and getting a good night's sleep. And last but certainly not least, Robbie Leslie, my dear friend, and Robbie Leslie, who we all know has been performing on the international circuit for over 40 years. One of the last of the first generation DJs, he began his nightlife career on Fire Island in 1975 and hasn't stopped spinning yet. These days, you can hear Robbie coast to coast in North America on his weekly Sirius XM Studio 50 radio broadcasts of Robbie Leslie Presents and also now on Andy Cohen's Kiki Lounge. Additionally, Robbie does many private parties and special events, like an over-the-top, ultra-fabulous 54-themed party that was in London this past winter, and he just returned back to dry land from the ultimate disco cruise, which from all reports was the ultimate. I welcome all of you, and thank you for joining me as we remember Roy Thode. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Firstly, I'd like to offer a toast. I'd like to offer a toast to joy and gratitude. Who knew 30, 40 years ago that a friendship that began so innocently would turn into something that ended up being so rich in my life decades later. I would say about a decade, decade and a half ago, I embarked on the journey of restoring many of his master reels and it's kind of led to where we are today. Uh, and for that, Roy, I'm eternally grateful. And I love Cheers. you still. To you, Roy, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And his favorite drink, rum and coke. Rum and Coca-Cola. Rum and Coca-Cola. So for anybody who's tuning in who doesn't know Roy, I'm going to throw up a couple of pictures. He was a very handsome man. He photographed well you can see um and he uh, began his life on long island where he was friends with one of our guests who couldn't make it today mr wayne scott they both grew up on long island a little bit of background on wayne is that he was uh, also a founding member back in the day of the early days of disco when roy and wayne became fast friends out on long island and uh, where, where Wayne's career began at Rough Bottoms uh, with another fellow DJ, Bobby Lombardi. And uh, at some point in time, before both of them moved to Manhattan, Roy and Wayne were roommates out on Long Island sharing a home. Asked me to please send his love to you all. That those, remember that those days, Roy and the friendship that they had was one of the most special in his life. And that he is well, and I visited with him just last month up at his home with him and his husband. They live in Central Florida, and he's doing well, just uh, not, you know, couldn't do the technology that we all require in today's world. Um, but he is here with us in spirit for sure. And back in the day when uh, things started out on the island, Martin gave us a wonderful old photograph of Roy that was taken, I would assume is around our circa 76, 77, Martin. Yes, this yep. was from Roy yep. back in the Monster days. And another photo where I learned uh, where Roy actually played where he went to the Ice Palace. Yep. Uh, and he played and was most notable for being at the Ice Palace in Fire Island. That we all know <laughs> that beautiful smile and that wonderful 
those wonderful memories. So I'm going to throw the floor out to some of you guys and ask you to share some stories from those early days, and then maybe we'll chronologically progress through, uh, you know, just some of your memories and throw up some pictures and whatnot. Sure. Well, before we get started, Marshall, I just wanted to say um, uh, before we start our uh, conversation today that um, I want to thank you for uh, keeping Roy's memory and the spirit alive. Uh, I really want to thank you for setting the record straight over these years when uh, the record was not always so clear and straight. And uh, I'm glad that you've done that. And Roy would be very proud of you for doing that. So thank you, Masha. Thank you for saying that, Martin. And look who just showed up, Bobby Vitoridi. Bobby, hey. Hey, Bobby, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, Bobby, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you could join us. I'm going to go ahead and give our listeners and our viewers a little background in case anybody does not know who the famous Bobby Vitoridi is. And Bobby is also originally from Long Island. And he got his start DJing in Florida at Keith Screw's room in Allendale in the mid-70s. Just as the techniques of beat matching were starting to take off, he was one of the pioneers in mixing records. He also DJed in Florida at the Copa and at the Marlin Beach Hotel's Poop Deck Lounge, where we met in 1978. Bobby is probably best known for his DJ residence at San Francisco's Trocadero Transfer, where he spun his musical magic from the late 1970s through the early 80s, before moving on to Dreamland, another large club in San Francisco. Additionally, Bobby has done a number of remixes, studio remixes, most notably, Ray Martinez's Lady of the Night, including also Disco Net special remixes. And thank you for joining us, Bobby. We're glad we could make it. We are just kind of starting off at the beginning of the 70s, and you uh, fit right into the 70s as you and Roy shared a Billboard Disco Award, I believe. Yes, me and Roy. Uh... Me and Roy Toad. I won the first, I got the first award the first year. The second year, they uh, included the East Coast, and Roy was there it. So there we are, you and Roy and Ann Margaret. That's me with Ann Margaret, yeah. Me and Roy. That's a famous picture. Indeed. Indeed. So we were just going a little backwards, starting off with, I guess, Roy's career where it began island, mostly out in the Grove. Martin actually worked with and met Roy at the Monster in Cherry Grove, which was pre-Ice Palace by a, su a summer season, I believe. Yep. Um, uh, I, I was introduced to Roy in 1977 by Sharon White, and that was in the city just after the Ice Palace 57 opened. Anyways, let me go back to Roy and open the floor up to all of you guys, please, <coughs> to uh, tell some stories. <laughs> Where do you begin? <laughs> well, uh, for me, my uh, my first time that I met Roy uh, was on the island in Cherry Grove. Um, I had gone to the island. My brother Stephen worked out there as a waiter uh, for Joe uh, Shiloh and Doug Bennett. And um, uh, Roy was working there uh, at that time as well. And I went out there as a uh, just turned... 18 almost 19 years old and uh i went out there to buy all the food for the restaurant and i would go and do the day gig and buy the food all day and then at night i would do the lights for roy and uh that was my first exposure to roy and music and disco and all the technology and uh, uh just really 
the, the whole feel of everything that was happening. Uh, so that was my first experience in meeting Roy. Nice. Now, Bob, you and Scott were both residents of the island back from the mid-70s and late 70s. And I mean, I think I probably met you guys maybe even first on the beach or second at Flamingo. I'm not sure which. <laughs> In those days, uh, Saturday nights were Roy's. I mean, we all went from the Pines over to the Grove and danced at the Ice Palace. And uh, it was the only night the pavilion was more or less empty, actually, late night. Everybody went kind of early to the pavilion and then over to the Grove. And then the great, the best thing, of course, was when it was all over and the sleaze was done, uh, we just walked home in the dawn and it was really kind of a beautiful experience of, uh, of bonding and uh, dancing and uh, more bonding. <laughs> yeah, it really was a special, a special time. At that migration kind of ended after Roy passed too. The last summer I remember that was his last summer playing the beach of 81. In fact, John, you had an interesting story of the night that you played the pavilion in 82 that kicked off the season. <clears throat> yes, it was the uh, it was the Saturday after Roy passed away. And uh, Jim Hicks had booked me to play that Saturday and said, you'll be out of here by four o'clock. You know, he said it just doesn't get crowded, but, you know, it's nice to come out here and, you know, get your foot in the door. And I wanted to play out there more <clears throat> frequently. And, um, but so many people from the Pines, as Bob said, migrated to Cherry Grove, I think their hearts were too heavy at that moment to do that and go there when him and not being there. And uh, they did go out and wanted to have fun and they ended up coming to the pavilion that night and went very late till the sun came up and a little beyond. And um, I think that from that point on, Saturdays were became the thing and people just kind of stayed in the pines in the pavilion. Um, but that was like the first night that it shifted over and it, uh, I happened to be booked that night. And it was, uh, I was happy for the opportunity, but still I felt a lot of sadness because, you know, you showed that picture of Bobby and Roy and at that third, when they won that award and they shared that I was actually there. Um, oh, I wow. went to that disco convention from Buffalo at the time I was 19 to try to get into New York or Los Angeles to meet people. And those guys were, you know, bigger than life to me, you know, just starting off, both of those guys, legends. And yeah, that's it. And I was in the audience. <laughs> and um, I remember that, that this was in February, I believe, of 1980. And then in, in July, they had another forum in New York. And I managed to get myself on the mixing techniques panel and um, with Bobby Vitteretti and Jim Burgess and, and others, Mike Lewis from Studio One in L.A., and uh, we all had to do a mixing demonstration. I was new to New York and I was young. No one knew who I was. So the room was filled with DJs and, and club owners from all over the world. No one asked me one question. I just sat there and listened to all those guys answer, take all the questions. But we had to do a couple of blends. So I got really good response to my mixes. And when it, was, when it was over, Roy came up to introduce himself to me. And I'm like, I know who you are. I've heard you play here, there, and everywhere. And he said, how would you like to come out and play on Fire Island? And I said, I'd love to. And so he invited me out um, to come to play at the Ice Palace in August of 1980. That was my first night. And it was thanks to Roy. Wow. He, uh, he, loved, he loved to mentor young DJs. I remember spending 
countless weekday nights sitting back in the bay windows at the Sandpiper when our dear friend, Mr. Leslie, was a fledgling DJ just working weekdays because he was a waiter on the weekends or not working on the weekends, as it turned out. Um, and, you know, Roy just used to sit back there, and I don't know if he ever went to you, Robbie, with his critiques, but we used to follow progress, and he always had commentary on how he was pleased with what you were doing and the way you were growing as an artist. Uh, he never came to me on any given night, but he did He did give me feedback, like when we would see each other in passing on the boardwalk or whatever, or down by the harbor. And it was always very encouraging, very positive, just, you know, no no criticism, just, just encouragement and nothing specific, but right. just, just, you know, just enough to, to keep me on track and, and encourage me to keep going. Um, and uh, I would say, you know, I have to thank Roy actually uh, for setting my work schedule <laughs> at the Sandpiper. And because, uh, because of the phenomenal success of the Ice Palace on Saturday nights, uh, I was one of the few summer workers uh, in, in America who had Saturday nights off. And the reason <laughs> being is because the Pines was a ghost town on Saturdays in the, you know, the late latter half of the 70s. Uh, everybody, including myself, went uh, took walked or took the taxi, a water taxi across to Cherry Grove. And, uh, you know, my earliest memories and experiences with Boroy was uh, at, from the dance floor looking up to him as a DJ. And I can't hear helplessly by the moment of truth or uh, love disco style <laughs> without <laughs> thinking of Roy, like just vividly, uh, just because of wonderful memories that are just, you know, like crystallized in my head. And uh, watching Roy do what he did, uh, especially with the uh, outside deck and, and the dawn coming and the music slowing down and, and uh, just going from pandemonium at two in the morning to just a mellow morning music at dawn, just set, set such a beautiful, you know, um, uh, program for me, and uh, you know, it's just beautiful, and it, you know, it's it's been the standard I've followed like ever since. So, uh, Roy, I know it professionally, but also I know him as a dancer and a fan. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and it also is quite the statement that the water taxis would wait until like seven in the morning. <laughs> they don't do anything near that now because there were so many people that were still dancing at that hour, even to just the walking out the door music. Um, they had to keep in touch with if, whether or not Roy had finished playing yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they were going to stop exactly. running the boats. Right. Yeah. Another DJ that, that Roy mentored who so much of when I listened to Warren Gluck's music, God rest his soul, uh, it's just so reminiscent. He's in many ways so much of a mini-me of Roy's style. And Roy mentored him so much and taught him so much but I, it, directly. Um, you know, it's... Uh, he gave very selflessly and he was someone, if he didn't have something nice to say, he wouldn't say anything at all. And I know that not every DJ was a recipient of a kind word. So true. <laughs> You know, um, as, as I look through some of the photos that I've brought to our little gathering today, um, uh, just a couple reminiscent of Ice Palace and Old. It looks like a bookmark from the Ice Palace that's got Roy's name on it. I think that was from 78. 
Ice Palace that doesn't have his name on it, but this that does from 78, Larry Rossello, if anybody remembers Larry from the Anvil and Lice would be Jorge Viardel and Tom Kazalka wow. from the Cochrane. Yes. Uh, this is a picture of my Ice Palace t-shirt or tank top as it were from 1980. Um, and then I'll move into another moving into the city, which took us to the late seventies, I guess by 76, Roy was already playing at Lamouche. And this is a picture of him in the DJ booth at Lamouche. And I know that the Ice Palace 57 opened in 77. And that's where I met him, Sharon White, who uh, I guess is unable, uh, she, she may still join us, eternal, but if not for Sharon uh, introducing me to Roy, and vicariously, all or most of you, I doubt that I would know you in the way that I do. Uh, many of you I met while I was in the music business as a publicist doing my shtick as Miss Disco Publicist Lady and Promotion Lady. Um, but those were really only a couple of months before I met Sharon and I widened my circle so much to make all of you friends. I mean, and, and gosh, here I am talking to people who I've known 40 plus years. So I'm very grateful uh, to have, have all of you in my life and, and to help me remember um, someone who touched all of us uh, in so many ways, I think uh, shaped the way we went on to party and enjoy ourselves. And that party was so much the crux of our bonding. Um, so I'm gonna move a little down some visual access because we do a YouTube on this and people will look and they may like to see a lovely picture of the Ice Palace 57, which was indeed an award-winning club. Uh, there is a lighting, uh, organiz lighting organization, architectural organization called the Illumination Engineering Society of America, of which I happen to be a member, but they awarded the uh, Lumen with Memorial Lighting Design Award to the Ice Palace to the owner, uh, Jimmy Berry. Um, and this award was given to me when we closed the Red Parrot. Uh, they took it off the wall and, and they gave it to me, which was lovely. Here's another little flash back from the Ice Palace 57, I gather possibly from Michael's thing, which was popular in the day. And then we had something really fabulous happen in the summer of 1978. And that was a birthday party that the Count Charles de Rohan threw for himself at his fabulous home called Utopia. And that party was called Just a Party. Just a Party. Just a Party. And Just a Party, oops, Just a Party was chronicled recently in Tom Yankee, photographer's uh, book, Fire Island Pines. And I've got a few photographs from this that I'll throw up and, uh, Scott, uh, would you or, or, or Bob perhaps like to take the floor on tell some stories while I throw up some of these photographs that Tom Bianchi took? Well, just about everybody who was anybody in the disco world was there, including Disco Sally from Studio 54. Um, I don't know if anybody knew actually what Sally's last name was, but it was quite an evening. And Charles, is at, Charles at that point owned the largest single piece of property in the Pines, and it was really quite wonderful. There were probably about 2,000 men there and some, some women. Um, and um, it was a quite, I don't know how to describe it, except it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable evening for a, for a private party at a home. It set the standard that nobody else could ever reach, actually. 
Well, for a home party, that's for sure. In fact, didn't if I, I don't think I'm off wrong when I say that that party set the standard that then became Beach next year and has ensued into enormous parties. Um, yes. Charles Indeed. at that point also, I mean, had Ricard, I think, sponsored the party. And there were two parachutists that actually flew in, literally flew in in like these little, you know, Batwing parachute things and landed in the pool. That's what started off the party when nobody was there. <clears throat> yes. The massiveness of just the party. It was it was wonderful. And that summer also was the summer of Turntable Towers, which was where Howard Barrett and Roy Thode and and uh Turntable uh, Towers. Donna Menti, a number of notables in the disco world. Lee Carter had a house uh and across the way was Mark Paul Simon and the uh, the Casablanca Records house. And I remember being at a morning party there where Mark ran across the way. Bob, you or Scott might have been there too. And he came back with an acetate, never heard before, but it was the yet to be released, not final mix of MacArthur Park by Donna Summer. And I remember there were so many wonderful parties that summer. Ah, it was It was just quite amazing. But of course, that just party, uh, it it did lend itself to giving ideas to what then would become. And Scott, I'll let you take over the story on this one because Scott was kind enough to share with me. I think I put these in, in progressive order, Scott. Mm. From the building of Beach, seventy nine. Marsha, it doesn't matter what 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 uh, order they're in. Um, uh, this little party uh, started off because I rented the TV house in 77 and uh, my good friend Robin Jacobson and uh, business partner, uh, we had a, a house of six people and one of the kids was the design director for um, Bonwit Teller. And he said, I have all these poles. I have 12 foot poles and 18 foot poles and everything. What can we do? And I said, we can throw a party on the beach. <laughs> and so we dug all these poles into the beach and bought, uh, you know, a thousand yards of gauze and draped them around and threw a party that was called Sunrise. And at that party, were a couple of kids from the Fire Island um, Fire Department. <clears throat> and uh, they said, listen, we need a new pumper. We need to raise some money. Could you guys throw a party on the beach? And we said, sure. So that turned out to be beach. Uh, there were 80 volunteers. It went from July 7th at sunset to July 8th at... Um, sunrise and um it was quite an amazing party the france jolie made her debut there the ritchie family sang and um it was quite a party it became actually the grandfather of the circuit party and sadly enough um our pal roy missed it by a day he decided to leave this planet one day early but and uh, but well, um, he didn't exactly leave it he just took a small but he was scheduled to play had, so and as it turns out sadly roy passed but it was not until 1982 and i'm going to jump back to what was a wonderful event i did a road trip with roy in 79 and we went to houston 
first to do this for 2000. I have no idea where the t-shirts went, but I do still have lots of since we had a little sweat rag we were given from the events. And uh, there we went to Cal to California, LA, where Roy played Probe, and then to San Francisco, where he played at the Trocadero, and Bobby was a wonderful, wonderful host to both me and Roy. That, that trip. <laughs> a lot of fun. I don't know if any of you were there when Roy played at the ring, but he did do a few guest spots at the ring. And obviously, very known for his Thursdays, excuse me, Thursdays and Sundays at the DJ booth uh, at in Studio Fifty Four. Here's pictures of the DJ booth from both, and another one. And this one I can hardly see with a microscope, but I like to think that that's Roy up there in the booth, where my where my cursor is. Um, I used to love uh, I used to love hearing Roy at studio because he was, yeah. he was he was just very very like full on. Everything was turned up to ten, and by that I mean like the energy, the energy load. Um, right. You know, he pulled out all the tricks, and he his trick. He was kind of renowned for certain kind of tricks, and uh, the right. most the most significant I think were was backbeating two copies of a record, which you know like yeah. uh, several DJs had done, but he he did it as a, a signature thing and, and quite commonly, and uh, that and also um, uh, the tape echo, the loop echo. Yeah. Uh, yep. which, you know, was very well Eight done. It's, it's, you have to be careful not to overdo it. Right. And uh, done done judiciously, it's it's a fantastic effect, yeah. Right. And, and of you course, know, the studio, as you played there as well, you had to cram. You know, you weren't doing a 12-hour music set. You had to put all that energy into those four hours of peak time because you worked the six-hour night. Right. Right. Correct. Correct. Yes. yes. You know, it's funny hearing these things because it brings back so many memories. And thinking back to the early days at the Monster in the Grove when I was just hanging around in the DJ booth, Roy would kind of explain the whole process. And he had these manu mannerisms that I'm sure you all remember. Uh, you know, things like when he was listening to um, new music, uh, he'd be counting it out and he'd have his arms swinging all the time. Uh, he had these uh, these other things like he'd say, Martin, when I tell you, turn the lights down, get it dark on the floor, and I get it pretty dim. He'd be like, no, shut the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, giving last call, he would like hide underneath the DJ booth, underneath <laughs> the mixer, and say, last call. And I'm like, what, what are you hiding for? And he's like, I don't want him to know it's me ending the party. <laughs> yeah, he had so That's many mannerisms. Yeah, never wanting to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those were fun days. Indeed, indeed. And I think probably everyone from our group, with possible exception of Martin, listened to Roy at one time or another at the Saint. Yes. Oh yeah, I, I never did. Absolutely. Was brought there the first two years. Um, I have a couple of invitations that I'll throw up. Unfortunately, age is not being kind as they're beginning to fall apart. But this is from the second season, New Year's Eve, that Roy had done. And uh, opening night of uh, this is the opening poster. Again, age has not been kind to this, to the second season with the opening letter for that season. And the night's billing, which was 
Amanda Lear as artist and Roy and Mark Ackerman opening the second season. Um, and, and I had one of the most memorable nights of my life during the first season working with Roy, where on the 15th of March, I had the privilege of doing lights for Roy um, at a tea dance. And that tea dance ended up being the longest tea dance. And Roy had nicknamed the night the land of make-believe. And the following year and every year afterwards, Mark had put on a party called the land of make-believe. So we always called this the first unofficial land of make-believe party. And it was, uh, and again, one of the memories I'm incredibly grateful for uh, that Mark Ackerman made that happen for us. Um, moving on to happier, happier uh things well uh, uh you know 20 20 when i hear you talk about tea dance because i remember when i was buying uh the food for the monster and going into the city um roy would work um relentlessly he'd always be in the dj booth and i mean he'd work until like four in the morning and i'd get up around six and go shopping all day and he would still be in there in the afternoon when i came back practicing and just really doing his due diligence he was he had vinyl in his veins no doubt about it yeah he definitely yeah. did he was very very creative and he loved to share it and he loved to yeah. make people happy he always used to say people would say well aren't you don't you feel bad you're not able to dance to your music he'd say no i'm dancing with all of you right i'm up yeah. here dancing with all of you and he felt as much of the party that he was making it was for us not for you it was mm -hmm. for us right. wouldn't you agree with that Another sentiment thing the time. John? Ab yeah absolutely I'll never forget the time when he discovered or um, found out about phasing records. And it was just like an airplane landing on the dance floor at certain times. And then he tried to find the right ones that gave the best effect. And then before you knew it, he had three records phasing at the same time. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> uh, one thing I can say uh, about social media, particularly Facebook, is, uh, you know, I, I do post a lot of stuff from back in the day. Whenever Roy comes up into the stream of conversation, uh, whether it's he's in an invitation or there's some reason that he's the topic, uh, it's amazing how many people remember him so fondly, and also how many people really. It was it was about that time since there were at the Saint, particularly how many DJs they had in rotation, but uh, people would pay close attention and they really marked their calendars. And uh, if Roy was playing, they made sure Saturday night or Sunday, uh, they were going to be there dancing all night. Hmm. Yeah, he was a kind soul. He was. Yeah. I, I must say, since I've launched the website and I'm starting to get, you know, all the all this music, all these legacy things, I guess I have them for a reason. And perhaps it's time to share. And, and I've tried to keep good keep of all of these treasures, which indeed have turned into treasures. Um, and uh, I've gotten some of the most wonderful responses, uh, comments from the music that was posted or other things. It's uh, it really does it really does give me inspiration to move on and to know that I continue to make people smile. That was his goal to make people happy. And if it continues to make people happy, then in some way or fashion, I suppose he's still with us. Um, yeah. I'm going to jump back to your story again, Bob, about the Fire Island Pines and the Pines Pavilion. And here's a picture you'll remember. Jerry Arcaro 
one of the original owners on the left and on the right without the shirt, his partner, Harvey Einman. And Harvey was, I would say, arguably Roy's best friend in the entire world. Um, Roy's had a dog and his dog, he was Mocha. And we always wife, Mocha and me and Roy were a little family. And indeed, after he passed, I was given charge of Mocha as per Roy's wishes. Um, this photograph, by the way, was taken by Charles de Rohan, but he was babysitting Mocha one weekend for me. And uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful photo. Don Martin, his partner, used to say that the dog ate better than he did. Charles would cook the steak and give it to Mocha, and he would get pasta. <laughs> it's true. It, that dog was always with Roy. And if you wanted to know what kind of person Roy was, all you had to do was meet Mocha, because that was the most gentlest dog um, I think I've ever seen in my lifetime. Well, she, Just, if, she, if, she liked, if she wanted to, she had a mind of her own. That's for damn sure, Martin. But, um <laughs> There's a photograph also that I inherited, uh, and I don't know how many of you remember Stephen Nitrate from back in the day, oh, but yeah. Stephen Nitrate, or at least the lower portion of his body. <laughs> and that Stephen was has the distinction. Stephen has the distinction of giving me the, the first person to give me a thumbs down on my uh, on my DJing work at the Sandpiper. <laughs> oh my lord! Oh I'll my never forget lord Stephen for that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my Lord in heaven. Wow. <laughs> Me, well, meanwhile, I was on the West Coast. I missed out on all this. You know? Something well, you did. Yeah, you when I came on fabulous in San Francisco. Well, yeah, it was nice to be in San Francisco. But, uh, so, Bobby, yeah. I think there was, there was one time in Key West when Roy came down, Jimmy Burgess came down. I think you were working at the Cobra at the time, and Doug Bennett had you come down do a spot at the Monster one night. It was just a, a, a whole series, that, like, from October through February of 77, I think, somewhere around that time, yeah. that all these wonderful, wonderful DJs just came through from all different spots of the U.S. It was just a, a wonderful time. I'm sorry. Yeah, Robbie, I know that you're on a on a little bit of a time frame. No, but I'd love to before uh, before I do have to have to say goodbye to everybody. Uh, I would love to just reminisce just a little bit about Roy at Underground, which was um, a club that both John and myself uh, also worked at. And uh, Roy's sets at Underground were just stellar. They were fantastic. And I used to love to get there early to hear him because he would start out at about 86 or 88 beats per minute. And, would, you know, slowly but surely with an empty club, just, you know, bring it up and bring it up just like foreplay. It was just wonderful. Uh, and he would turn it out, you know, without fail every every night he was there. And I just loved, I loved that room and I loved how he played there. Yeah. I remember it well. You're yeah. right. Yeah. He really handled it beautifully. Indeed. Yeah. I remember when the, uh, you remember when we started, when we started counting BPMs before that? Well, that was like first generation thing, no BPMs. I just played by beat, by tempo, you know, whatever I heard, you know, slow, mid, mm -hmm. up, high tempo. But, um, I remember with Roy, he was me and him were in San Francisco, sitting on the sofa, looking through to, to the uh, the records from the pool, and um, 
counting BPMs. I said, you do the BPMs? And we had an argument about it. I said, I refuse to do BPMs. You know, write them down in time. And he's over there with his watch, you know. You remember the BPM Bible. Here it is. We, uh, unfortunately, the Studio 54 Night Magic exhibit has been dismantled. Parts of it are going to be in Vegas. Uh, however, uh, the part that we, Robbie and I worked on music tracks for and some of Roy's items were in it were returned and this is indeed the infamous bpm bible wow in the flesh that's cool in the flesh <laughs> along with boys stick the 45 xanadu in the flesh oh wow which wow. actually he made this is a stereo cup on a mat knife body it's wow. connected and wired himself with a telephone cord and a quarter inch jack. And this was, <laughs> and this was traveling in the museum exhibit as well, which Robbie with me and the museum on the soundtracks for the three rooms. Uh, here's the playlist of the soundtrack from room two, which featured both the albums uh, the Mark Paul Simon Casablanca album that Roy did, uh, Night of Studio 54 and Richie Kazor's item, and, and for Room 3, which featured Roy, we did a music track for them that Robbie put together, lovely, a playlist, and within that, that exhibit was this lovely exhibit of these items, close up there of the BPM book. This photograph of Roy was in and is in his experimented book uh and it was taken at the ice palace and i just love that picture um and then the museum exhibit traveled to, to toronto but because of covid it never opened but it did get written up in one of my trade magazines uh and then it traveled to Dortmund, germany where this is a close-up from the display there and another picture of the display case in Dortmund, germany and now it's back here uh or at my house, at any rate. Uh, <laughs> Robbie, I know you're on a time crunch, and yeah. I would like to thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your memories, for being my friend as always. And for oh, well, we all we all adore you, Marsha, and uh, just as we adored Roy. And so, thank you for carrying this on, and you know, from the past to the present, it's been it's such important work, and and you're you're a saint to do it, and. Uh, and we all feel that way. And I'm uh, sorry I have to uh, bid goodbye, but um, it's been wonderful. It's been an honor to be included in this because uh, I think the world of Roy, he was um, he was one in a million. He was just a kind, beautiful, wonderful soul and an incredible artist. And uh, I'll leave it at that and uh, say goodbye to all you guys and girls. And uh, we'll see you on the dance floor. Of course. Bye, Robbie. Thank Take you. Care, Robbie. Take care, Robbie. Good to see you. Oh, that was great. Hi, Scott. Hey there. I got interrupted by a phone call, and so I finally found my way back in. Good to see you. And Marsha, I'm about to leave too, but I want to thank you for pulling us all together to celebrate Roy. You know, I remember when there was word out that Roy was playing someplace, the place was packed. True. That's so true. Indeed. Well, thank you for joining us, Scott. I've you mean, our friendship means so much to me, your art. I mean, we've shared so much of the resurgence of 54 <laughs> and our disco youth. So 
Thank you so much for being a part of this and remembering Roy with me. I and love you, my friend. Just a facilitator. All I did was design places that we could play music and dance. Ah, <laughs> uh, but it was Bravo. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, thank you indeed. All right. Thank you. Thank Bye you, guys. Scott. All right. Be well. I have another little bit of uh, memorabilia that I'll show on screen because this is not stuff that you can find on the internet. But again, one of the wonderful items that was given to me when Roy passed as part of his legacy. And uh, for those of you that remembered him from the Ice Palace on Fire Island, he used to bring his mixer out. And he had a, a vintage mixer of the day, which was a Bozak Silverface, which I have. <laughs> which is his Bozak silver face. Oh, it looks fabulous. It's in great condition. If anybody, yeah, I had it refurbished a few years ago. If oh. everybody, anybody remembers Roy from the Ice Palace in Fire Island where he had it mounted, if you looked into the DJ booth, you would see this bumper sticker. Uh, shut up and dance. <laughs> and that was always it. Shut up and dance. It's hard to hold it up and take a picture at the same time. So maybe I can grab a still from this. That was a little too big to go with the Brooklyn Museum exhibit, but I certainly would like to take all of these treasures at some point and donate them to an archival collection where they can be representative of our culture. Um, you know, dance music world, it's evolved so much. Uh, some of you guys involved with it now, like John, Bobby, Robbie, um, you know, Bob and I, I think we've kind of moved to the enjoy and participate, not actively. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dancing from my chair. I'm dancing. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I've, I've got a Zoom call that I've got to go to from here. So but thank you, Marcia, for keeping Roy's memory alive and uh, having all that memorabilia. It's really quite wonderful. Um, so I'm sure it's going to find a good home. I'm sure. Thank you so much for joining. Bye, Bob. Bob. And thank you so much for your friendship all over these many years. John Martin, Bobby, Marsha, thank care. you. Bye -bye. Tell them, Bob. Take care, Bob. Thank you. And um, as we move on with our remembrances, I have a bunch of other photographs and bits of memorabilia and things that I've been trying to, you know, just highlight. Like, for example, inside Roy's BPM book is a handwritten guest list for a black party. I don't know if you can see on the bottom, it says black party. Oh, yeah. But this was his guest list for the Black Party. Whether it was year one or year two, we'll uh -huh. never know. We'll never know. Here's another close list of uh, close up of the Bible, kind of cockeyed, but you can see some of his go to 45s that were with him. Uh, and another one that had Xanadu and the Dolly Parton uh, Kenny Rogers hit, which was just a fave of his. Um, and another one of the things that I inherited much to my pleasure, and it is on the back wall uh, <laughs> behind me if I move out of the way. And that's uh, the gold record that Roy was awarded for Sylvester Step 2 album. And here's a close-up of the plaque that's on it. And back in, I guess, 79, Roy was presented a jacket that so the the uh, baseball uh -huh. set, baseball jackets were quite the rage in the day, sure. and, and, bowl and bowling shirts. Also, <laughs> sorry, and bowling shirts. Yes, and and the, and Roy's jacket was also given to me. Uh, this picture was taken at the 
Sundance premiere of the Studio 54 documentary, which I was involved with. Um, and, you know, as I think back on, on some of these early events that, that formulated the way we are today, for example, the beach party, how that started so innocently and so innocuously. And then you look at the festivals and the annual fundraisers that have been occurring on Fire Island ever since then. Pines Huge Party. Pines, Pines Party, exactly. Pines Party, a direct child of Beach 79. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, uh, the, you know, how Just a Party kind of evolved into a house party that was so massive that it did have to turn into a beach party event, which was the mammoth size of the huge parties that we see today. Just, you know, I, I suppose in, in a similar way that the Saint and Saint at large parties kind of evolved into many of the circuit parties that we know, mm -hmm. um, John, you've played more recently on them. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've attended, you know, I think, three or four Pines parties in the last five, six years, pre-COVID, um, going back this year again, and played the after party at Jim Pepper's um, a few years back too. But so, yeah, and it, people still talk about it like on that weekend, you know, it's like a big thing, you know, how this all came about. And, you know, it's nice to hand those traditions down. It sure you know, is. It, it's important to keep those memories alive of right. how we got here, you know. Well, it was folks. It was folks like Roy and and his peers, and um, you know that always tried to think of how they could top whatever it is that they just did with something beyond whatever it is that they just did. Whether it was a party or whether it was playing for twelve hours, they wanted to go for fourteen or sixteen or you know whatever it might be. They always tried to top it. So yeah. I think all of us from that generation, we really knew how to have fun. <laughs> Oh yeah, that we certainly did. I will mm -hmm. certainly, and, and many, and I think all of you can attest to the fact that Marsha did know how to have a good time, and, and, and still does. Yeah. That's a good thing. Marsha, you know, I remember. I remember uh, when working at the poop deck. When you started coming out, you used to bring your tambourine, just sit it right on the ledge there, and, and just stand outside the DJ booth. You were so young. I was. Those were those were. What we favorite. all? Those what year were, was this? What year was this? That was nineteen seventy-five. We're talking. Oh, no, we're no, 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 seventy-five. No, no, we're talking seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Still, before you went to California, Bobby, we were. Uh, we had. One of our release parties for when I was with the Joe Long Sound, if you recall. Yeah, that my house. house in Fort Lauderdale. And here's another th couple of throwback pics from uh, back then. This is a, a old close-up of Roy from the internet. I don't know. He might have been speaking at a billboard thing. He wasn't much of a public speaker, <laughs> um, for sure. But <laughs> this photograph has been on the internet. That's where I pulled it from with his Just a Party T-shirt. However, the full picture is actually an eight by 10 that I have from my days working with the Joe Long sound. And on the upper left where my cursor is, that's Joe Long, Bob Small next to him, 
Tony, Tony Martino, uh, uh, Tony Martino from Burgess, Columbus, Jim Burgess, Alan, Alan Harris, Roy Thode, Alan, Alan Todd behind him. Yeah. I'm not sure who these two are. Me neither. Lance Wise, yes, Vince Letty, right. Roxy yep. Mizell, who was on the cover of the Midnight Rhythm album. If you go look at that mm. album, and it's actually behind wow. me. Um, that is Roxy Mizell. Uh, and this is Rita Hayer from Warner Brothers, Barbara Shelley, who I worked with at the Howard Bloom organization, who introduced me to Bob. And who is this? Barry Letterer. Yes, Barry Letterer. Exactly. Exactly. So that, you know, that's kind of an oldie, but a goldie. Yeah. Um, and, and this yeah. one is another oldie, again, <laughs> probably taken from one of the Billboard Disco forums i don't know who this gentleman is over here but this is bobby or ray caviano dc larue roy and i don't know who this yeah. gentleman is do you know john or bobby i, no, I can't no. think of his name i i it's not brad lebeau right that's not that's not from casablanca is it um, uh yeah. well no because well i don't know look ray caviano's in the picture and he didn't work for casablanca lord only yeah. knows who it's from <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but just you know it looks like a disco convention type of photo you know yes it because dc was on casablanca back in those days dc was and, on Casablanca, and i don't know that could have been ray's tk marlin days or then his warner rfc days not really sure and right. and we one one thing we do know for sure it was before may of 1982 right and we know this and i will jump back to the saint again and at the saint that <clears throat> weekend that you played um, Fire Island, John, yeah. um, was also uh, just after the Saint was closing, had closed for its season, and it did something that I don't think it's ever done since. Uh, and they had, they had a dance honoring Roy, and as much as I appreciated the fact that they did this, I probably wasn't in a very good state of mind back then. Mm -hmm. And I would honestly say that probably the shock of this reverberated through me for a few years until I got over that, that grief process. Um, mm -hmm. So I called this and to this day, I call this Roy's death dance, but it was a very loving tribute. I'm sorry. I didn't bring this up when Robbie was here because he's, he did play it. And mm -hmm. there were four DJs that were chosen uh, to play this and four lighting people that were chosen. And I mean, for me, a lot of that was kind of a fog. Mm -hmm. um, One of the nicest memories I have as my career was ending, I was playing at the pipeline and Roy had come in and did a guest spot, I think maybe about a month or so before he passed. And um, uh, he, he just came in and uh, just had a whole presence of the way that he handled the crowd. And, you know, every city was a little different. Boston had their thing and Key West was doing their thing. And New York had a whole different kind of uh, aura around it. And, you know, the way the music was played. And um, I remember right after he passed, the, uh, the owner of um, Pipeline at the time, George Black, said um, he had heard about Roy's passing. And uh, he had said to me, um, 
geez, I guess you're going to be really depressed and have a really crappy night time. I mean, Saturday nights were big at the pipeline. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, tonight will be the best night that I have ever played records in my life. And I just instinctively dedicated the entire night to Roy. And you know what? It really was one of the best nights I ever oh, played for a crowd. Right, and, that's good. Yeah, and I think I stopped working. Uh, I stopped playing records shortly thereafter. Well, I'll tell you a surprise. I have that master reel from Pipeline. That's and great. I am I'd not sure it. if it is in the to be yet to be digitized pile or in the I've already been digitized and need to be reviewed pile. But I'd I do have it. that master. I plan on releasing it at some point in time. Um, I've, as many know, I've begun this. Uh, social media presence of Roy, uh, where he's got a presence on Facebook, on Instagram, which I've got some sites below. I've got a website that I've dedicated to Roy, RoyThode.com, a legacy website. And on Heartbeat of the Dance Floor, um, I've got a side for podcasts, and then I also have a side for playlists. And on those playlists, I've currently got up Roy's first performance at The Saint, and I'll be offering a companion piece to this, which is going to be the homecoming tape of his return after that fateful overdose in 1979 that precluded his DJing at the beach party. Oh. So that's going to be up on one of his on one of his sites. Uh, I've done my best to get Roy's music out there. I've been grateful to work with Studio 54 radio station on Sirius XM. We've done a few specials together. Most recently, we did a New Year's Eve broadcast this year. Um, I've also got a SoundCloud account that I set up for Roy where we've got lots of playlists. He's got a MixCloud account with playlists. Uh, I've worked in, this is this was from his MixCloud account. I've also worked in tandem with Sound Metaphors, which is a record store in Berlin, to do his birthday celebration and most recently a Valentine's Day mix. And for Roy's birthday, Sound Metaphors lovingly made a couple of T-shirts that they offer on their website. Um, nice. That's really cool. Yes, yes. It's it's really great. Uh, I worked with Jim Hopkins and the San Francisco Disco Preservation Society. Mm -hmm. In fact, this Live at Probe, we were talking earlier about the trip to L.A. And when I took this snapshot, we had 1,923 likes. So it's among one of the best played uh, listened to on the track list and the and the one from Alex in Wonderland, which I did together with Jimmy Dupree, uh, that has a little over 1,500 hits, which is also just just wonderful. It turned out very ironic. Jimmy Dupree had one of the two reels from the Alex in Wonderland <laughs> performance. I had the other of the two reels. That is so funny. And we put them together and <laughs> released it as one set. Oh, my God. Right? That's crazy. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm it, I remember I was at the Ice Palace and the sound system went out. And me and Roy were on the floor scattering wires and just trying to get one amplifier working just so that they have music to dance to. The the crowd had tambourines and shaking and the room was like that. It was like two hands and they wouldn't stop moving. They go, whoa, whoa, stomping on the floor. And me and him are going like this. They're making their own music, huh, Bobby? Yeah. Wow. That's neat. I remember one night dancing at the Ice Palace out on the island. And 
gosh, it probably was, I don't know if it was summer of 80 or 81. I think it might've been summer of 80. Um, and there was so much pounding on the dance floor that, and, and there were obviously some loose boards. Yeah. And there was a hole that fell through. I was there. On Fire <laughs> Island. Yeah. And, and I remember Roy got on the microphone and he said, okay, y'all brought the house down. Now just hang out a second. And we put some stanchions up around the hole and the party continued <laughs> until the sunrise. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> anything to make it a festive night, anything to keep the party going, anything to keep the people happy yeah. and yep. to keep them smiling. And I think that that was the fuel that motivated Roy and fed his life. And for sure. And um, it all, it rubbed off on all of us yep. that, that had the, the good fortune. Yeah. You, you know, know when, absolutely. You know, when I think back on Roy, um, I think if I could just sum up my, uh, my whole experience and relationship with them is that he was just a kind human being. He was just, you know, uh, as I said to Masha the other day, he he hated controversy and and confrontation and would do everything to avoid that. And no matter who said something bad about him or whatever it might have been, he never retorted back the other way. You know, he he was just always a really kind soul. It's true. He he ate uh, a lot of that because it was not in his nature to right. spew return negativity it just wasn't um... exactly i remember him being in the dj booth and uh at the monster and we'd be going through records and um you know there was some his process before he started doing bpm his process was what's the music saying what's the message in the music and it always always had to be something about love for him to play it and um if it was negative like uh teddy pentagrass had a song that was really popular i don't love you anymore but he wouldn't play it because of the negativity in it and uh yeah, yeah so he just uh he just loved love and he loved to exude that he very much had the message in his music there right. is not a file that I have listened to yet, nor I doubt that there will be, that Roy's music does not tell a story. Absolutely. He uh, used to tell me he used to tell me all the time it's about creating the journey. And um, uh, you know, the folks on the dance floor, some are doctors, some are lawyers, uh, some people are nobodies, and as far as I'm concerned, we're all human beings. And you know, he used to just really want to bring everybody on a journey, and that's what he did. You know, not only musically and, you know, when he was working as a DJ, but as a uh, on a personal level uh, with people as well. You know, he just really um, had an emotion about him that I haven't seen duplicated since I've known him. It's true. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that sentiment, Martin. Yeah. I mean, we're all unique individuals, but they really did break the mold right. with Roy. Right. Um you know, some of the some of the most fun times that I used to have with him, you know, here I am 19 years old, right, in the big city of New York and, you know, looking up at skyscrapers and he's like, come on, we're going to go record shopping. And he'd be like, <laughs> we, we would literally hit like 10 or 12 record stores in four hours. 
and he just had this treat this train that just went right around the city and he just went from one store to the other and he just knew how to dig right into them. And as I said to you, Masha, you used to buy a lot of records just based on the cover, thinking that there would be a good song inside. <laughs> not always. <laughs> that, that, that was, it was not a good strategy. It, it was not a good strategy at all, but <laughs> he liked the artwork. <laughs> Bobby, I was so delighted that I had the chance to see Roy at Trocadero and see you at Trocadero, which was your home. And, you know, it was... And I missed you for so many years while I was in New York and you were at San Francisco. But yeah, really reconnecting with you now when you come down to South Florida. So I really love that. And you're in the city. So I get to see you in the city, too, which is nice. Oh, thank you, Marsha. Listen, I'm going to go. OK. Yes, not a problem. Thank you for leave. joining us. OK. Take, Take care, Bobby. You, we love you, John. Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. See Good you, to Bobby. see you. Thank you for joining. And I have a three o'clock appointment I have to drive to, so I'm going to have to leave in about in a minute myself. So indeed, and we'll say, Martin, it was nice to meet you, John. You too. I hope yeah. to see you in person at some Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice and Marsha, hope we uh, get to see each other this uh, summer somehow. I'm hoping so. <laughs> You're not that far away. Well, thanks for right, well, thank, thank you, and thank you for uh, for all you do to keep this going. I mean, as Robbie said, I echo that. And, um, it's appreciated by us and I'm sure many others that you don't even, you know, hear about it from, but we're grateful. Well, I'm glad. And as long as people are still enjoying it, then I'm going to, that's my mission to keep Roy's music alive as much as I can and keep okay. it alive. Thank you again, All Joe. Right. Take Thank care guys. Being my Take friend. Care. Bye. Masha, you're doing a great job keeping the party going. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. I'm going to throw up one more graphic that I have here. I love, I, seeing the, I love seeing the old pictures. Well, this is not an old picture. This is sad. This, as you can see, none the worse for wear, right? Uh, Billboard magazine from the week of June 5th, 1982. And Roy's obituary. Uh, uh, veteran DJ of an apparent death. Roy Thode, veteran DJ of an apparent heart attack. May 21 in New York, during his 12-year career, Roy spun at the Ice, Pal Ice Palace Clubs on Fire Island and in Manhattan, as well as in Studio 54, The Flamingo, and The Saint. Thode was honored several times in Billboard's disco forums. And I'm telling you, if I hadn't taken that picture a dozen years ago, I went to grab the newspaper today and it's just literally beginning to it's crumble yeah yeah it's happened. just starting to crumble and and you know the thing with the analog tapes uh these tapes that i got from roy have been kept very pristinely in the basement of the cold basement of my house upstate new york for uh 30 years and 30 31 years and um it's kept them in very pristine conditions so um yeah. you know they they in the digitization process and some of them, it's, you know, first time they've been played since they were recorded and possibly the last time right. they ever will be replayed because you never know the condition they're going to be in. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure I have so much memorabilia from, you know, all those days that have gone by. And uh, I'll try to be a little more diligent and dig some of it out. And, well, um, as you do, let me know. And what yeah. we'll do is we'll throw it on the website. I'll run this underneath again so that everyone knows where they can find Roy Thode on Facebook, on Instagram, 
Uh, we'll always post alerts for when we're releasing uh, new music on his various uh, music streaming sites and any new updates, memorabilia, photographs, yeah. whatever you have, Martin, we can always include that onto the website, roythode.com, which would be great. Uh, and also people can use as a reference our website, heartbeatofthedancefloor.com, sure. where we can find all of the podcasts and other assorted playlists. Yep. Martin, it was just delightful to have you also able to join. And thank you very, very much. It's been, uh, boy, it's been just uh, a cherished time together with all of you who know Roy, who have personal special relationships with him, fond memories. Thank you for sharing. And I'm delighted that we have reacquainted ourselves with each other. Likewise, it's been a pleasure to be with you today, but even more of a pleasure to have known Roy. So thank you for that friendship. Thank you, Martin. And thank you for joining me here today. It's absolutely been a delight. Keep on dancing or as the bumper <laughs> sticker says, shut up and dance. <laughs> I'm just trying to walk. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye.